Hi there. My name is Emily. I live in Columbus, Ohio. I have a question about getting over my fear of social media. I am a small business owner. I am a professional coach. I'm pretty successful in what I do, but I have this fairly crippling fear around social media, fear of being judged, fear of saying something that could be interpreted in a way I didn't intend. And, you know, there's just a lot of fear that's wrapped up in this issue for me. And I was wondering if you had any guidance. You're listening to How To. I'm Amanda Ripley. That was this week's listener, Emily, a career coach in Ohio. You might have noticed that she used the word fear a lot in her voicemail to us. Five times, actually. And it turns out she's not alone. There's actually a term for what she's going through. It's called... Are you ready? Visiobibliophobia, which means literally Facebook fear. It's a real thing, and it's not just about Facebook. It's always been this thing that I have felt like I should be doing, at times need to be doing. I'm at a point now where I am building an online course. I have not had to market myself um, up until now. I get my clients through word of mouth, and it's that's worked for me so far. But I'm at this point where I just feel like it, maybe it's a missed opportunity for me not to work harder, to try and get comfortable with social, to, um, you know, help me help more people. And how does that feel when you think about doing social media? Oh, gosh, it, it's terrifying. So I, <laughs> I've, I've really given this so much thought and, and tried to distill it down into a couple of different categories so that you can understand my conundrum. I love a good list. <laughs> yeah, me too. So the first one is, I think, the easier one, and that's time. You know, right now it's just me. You know, any sales and very little marketing that I do, I do it in between meetings. I'm really not good about dedicating time for sales and marketing. They often fall to the bottom of my list. That's the first issue. The second challenge is fear. I have a lot of fear around social media. And I've got a list around what the, what the fear looks oh, like. A sub list. Um, Fantastic. A sub list, yes. <laughs> but the third that I think is very connected to the second is a lack of mastery. Mm. I am much more comfortable with things when I feel like I am an expert. And I'm also a rule follower. And I get the sense that there's a lot of rules that I don't know about social media that resulted in me feeling even less inclined to engage in social. Mm -hmm. So those are the three. Okay. So lack of time, fear, and a sense of insecurity or worry mm -hmm. about your competence. Um, can yes. we get the sub list of fears, please? Yes. <laughs> fears for 500. <laughs> <laughs> so the fear of being judged. Mm -hmm. mm. And frankly, I judge a lot. You know, when I see people's social, I, I'm very judgmental and I, and I'm, I'm fearful that people are going to judge me. Mm. I have, you know, major imposter syndrome when it comes to social and, you know, other parts of my life too. What's interesting is that Emily's actually not afraid of taking big risks in other ways. In fact, she spent 12 years as a lawyer before totally switching careers and becoming a coach. So she's learned a lot about how to adapt and evolve. I ended up going into law school kind of by default. 
I was an anthropology major in undergrad, and I was studying chimpanzees, which Fun. <laughs> um, this is so funny. I, yeah, I had an, I had this internship at um, at a university, and I was literally sitting on a platform above this sort of compound of chimpanzees for an entire summer, and I was taking data on their grooming uh-huh. habits. It sounds fantastic. It sa- on paper, it sounds awesome, but for me, it was it was a nightmare. I was just, it was so boring and they really, they didn't like me. Like they would, I mean, if you want to get into the, the gory details, they would try to throw things at me. If you can imagine what that, those things <laughs> might be. So I'm imagining <laughs> yeah. predominantly poop. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. this is actually perfect training for social media. <laughs> I mean, I, is it not? <laughs> As you can tell, Emily has been on a journey that's taken a few years, but she's figured out what she cares most about and what she's good at, which is huge. You know, I can present to a room of a thousand people and be completely comfortable in that environment, but social is just such a different animal for me. Those seem like reasonable fears. I think you're right. Let's not any of us do social media ever. I think that's a good... Um, <laughs> right? We're done here. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course, anyone who owns a business knows it's not so easy to just opt out. After all, roughly three in four Americans use social media, according to a 2022 Pew survey. So there's just no cheaper way to get the word out. And... Like a lot of other tools, social media can be a boon to your business if used the right way. But how do we know what that is? Time to bring in this week's expert. Hi, so my name is Susie Wagner. I am the president of a company called Brand and Buzz. It's literally what I do. I help people refresh and create new brands. And then the buzz side is kind of publicity and PR. Susie's a friend and former colleague of mine and a marketing wizard. She has traveled the world promoting huge brands that you've heard of, small nonprofits you haven't heard of, and even entire countries. And one thing to know about her is that she's unafraid of social media and just about everything else. You might even call her a visio-bibliophile, if that were a word. On today's show, she's gonna help Emily and all of us get over some of our social media fears and listen to others so we can dodge the poop, so to speak, and make these platforms work for us, not against us. Stay with us. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. 
The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. To be good at social media, it doesn't hurt to actually be super social in real life, which is how Susie Wagner and I first met over a decade ago at Time Magazine. She was in advertising sales and I was on the editorial side. I was a reporter. And traditionally, those two worlds don't mix at all yeah. for lots of reasons. <laughs> yep. So, um, But when I got to the Washington Bureau, I'm in my office working away probably grumpy about something and this blonde burst of sunshine <laughs> comes barreling through the door and it's Susie Wagner and she wants to talk to me she wants to know me she wants to tell jokes she wants to know what I'm up Aww. to and I was like what the f is going on here um because <laughs> this does not happen like uh and so I was kind of like you know polite I think Susie you we were, were so nice Amanda okay and but that, I figured that was it like I don't know who this person is but I don't talk, ad people don't talk to reporters. And then she just kept coming back, <laughs> just relentless. And, and then we became good friends. And she did things I'd never seen anyone do. Like she would get all the Washington correspondents, people who covered the White House and the Pentagon, to go on these tours um, for... <laughs> I like to call them field trips. For like VIPs. I mean, you can't come to D.C. and not do some kind of a tour, right? And I've lived yeah. here a long time. So we rented a bus and we invited all of our guests to hop on the bus. And then I commandeered the microphone and would sometimes make up facts, sometimes share actual knowledge. <laughs> but we would drive around D.C. and then jump off for a photo op and run back on. It's fun. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, Emily, how do you decide, you know, what kind of business would you like to have in five years? And how do you decide how big you want it to be? Yeah. And that's why I had hired this marketing company to help me with my online course. Mm -hmm. Um I don't want to become, you know, a Brene Brown. I think she's amazing. But when I think of, you know, Brene Brown, I think of like an empire. Yeah. And I don't want an empire. I want to be able to, you know, shut things down and go to my, you know, kids volleyball matches and not have to worry about checking my phone. So in five years, I would like to be making a certain dollar amount, but not too much. So you want to scale your business up, you want to make more money, but you don't necessarily want to be working all the time. And you, do you want to have more employees? Do you want to expand your company that way? No, no, I really don't. My husband would love me to do that because I think he, if, if he had his choice, I'd build an empire. Yeah, then he could retire. Um, <laughs> My husband wants to do the same <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're right. I do want to scale it. And is it possible that I'm asking for no, too much? No, not at all. And I, and, I, and I just have to say, I'm 
social is great. It's it's so fun and it's quick and it's easy and it's on your phone and you can make any kind of jokes. You yeah. can be light. Um, for your online course, when you roll that out, absolutely, you should be um, doing mm-hmm. an integrated marketing campaign and you don't have to feel like um, you're ever going to do it wrong. You just have to be true to your own voice and consistent in the things that you say. Don't be executive coach Emily with the, you know, the weird radio voice. Like, be Emily. Because Emily's <laughs> great. I really like Emily. I want to hang out with you. I think we should just, you know, make Amanda jump on and off the bus with us wherever we go. I you love know, it. And, and then you can do your little posts on LinkedIn. Like, hey, just want to tell everybody this exciting news. I'm launching a, a brand new course. Hope you tune in. And maybe, do you use Facebook ever? I have a Facebook account. Um, I don't use it. That's fine. If you do have a lot of friends on Facebook or you, or you find, because you're a person to person small business, so Facebook can be really effective mm-hmm. for what you're trying to do. Um, likewise with Instagram, and they link. So if you could do a quick mm-hmm. video, like a, a story, and just say, ah, exciting news. We just launched our course. It's going to change your life in five weeks. You know, go to my website for more information. Yeah. The most important thing is integrate the messaging so it's not just Coach Emily. So that's when I think you need to mix in opportunities to celebrate other people. And mm-hmm. and even better mm-hmm. if they celebrate you. So maybe one of your clients says, I just had this amazing session with Emily and it changed my life, you know? I love that. Celebrate uh-huh. other people. Yeah, because it does yeah. feel gross to be promoting your stuff over and over. It just feels, it doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel like that's not who you are from what you said. Mm-mm. Well, I think that... The, what you're saying about celebrating other people and really focusing on that, that resonates with me. But I think that when it comes to my own self-promotion, that's where I, I I am just, it's such a barrier for me. And if I can really focus this on celebrating other people mm-hmm. and then maybe weave in a couple of things about what I'm doing. Totally. Well, even like at your kid's volleyball game, you know, like when you, when you go watch the kids at volleyball, you could snap some pictures Use your professional lens to tell a story. So I watch coach so-and-so cheer on Amanda, who was really having a tough day, and it totally turned her game around, and she won with three points and a spike, or I don't know, whatever Mm -hmm. the language is. And then you can say, it reminds me of why coaching matters and why I love my job. Like just something really simple like that. So then that's telling a positive story about somebody else, but it's also elevating your brand, but not in a in a braggadocious way. It's very organic. It's like natural. I I think you would feel most comfortable typing out something that you would say out loud to somebody Mm -hmm. else. As long as it's authentic, then you're never going to feel cringy about it. Here's our first insight. It actually is possible to talk about yourself and your work without veering into cringy self-promotion. I think for you, it's shifting the mindset of saying, I'm afraid I'm going to be judged. I'm afraid I'm going to say something wrong because you are going to say something wrong. In fairness, if you followed me around with a microphone all day, I would say lots of dumb things and you would laugh and laugh because that's what people do. You know, we make mistakes. <laughs> so in social, I think it's um, really embracing that social is social. Mm-hmm. People go on social media to connect personally. They want to you know, see pictures of what you're doing. They want to hear your advice. They they know that you're really good and, and successful at what you do. And to get a little nugget of information or some guidance for free is a real gift. Like it's a powerful thing that you can share. 
And, and the most important thing is to do what makes you feel comfortable if you're committed to spending the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Like something else you had said was, you know, time. I, yeah. I'm a business owner. I really feel that. I have three children, the husband, the dog, the life, the, you yeah. know, work. And it's, it's a lot of balls to juggle. Social takes a lot of time. And if you're not going to commit some time to do it well, and I'll caveat the well, then it's almost better not to do it. Like okay. m- marketing yourself can be um, hosting a breakfast with business owners and having them come and and you do a chat. It could be flyers that you email out. It could be a newsletter. I mean, there's so many great arrows in your quiver that you can pull out and shoot. But at the end of the day, growing your business um, is based on word of mouth. The reason that you and I have been so successful in growing our businesses is because we do great work and people like us. And rule number one in Susie Wagner's world is people do business with people they like. You can add no and trust. Um, and number two, people like positive. So if you're going to put out great energy and smart ideas, you're going to find an audience. One in 10 Americans tells the other nine where to shop, what to read, how to vote, how to worship, um, what restaurants to go to, what movies to see, what clothes to buy. Mm -hmm. And so it is the single most powerful tool is to have people talk about you in a positive way and say, oh my gosh, you got to talk to Emily. She's amazing. She Mm -hmm. changed my life. You know, that's going to be more than any tweet or post ever will be. Here's our next big insight. Yes, social media is relatively new, but the core principles of marketing remain the same. There's a million rules to social media. And and when I do social training and courses with companies, I, you know, I always say, well, this day time and this day for this and this number of posts a week. But again, you're juggling a lot of balls. And so it's more important that you do social as easily as you can so that you can be consistent with it. Because the more frequently you post, the better it is. And I'm not saying every day, multiple times a day. I'm saying like, yeah, a couple times a week, once every okay. week. Conan O'Brien tweets once a day. That's that's his that's his whole thing. He tweets like one joke a day and and that's all he does. And that's perfect. It's perfect for him. It's it's better to have some continuity with it. If you want to tell a story or you want to explain why you wrote something in your course or the kinds of people that can benefit from your course, Mm -hmm. then I I think it'll make you feel more comfortable. Yeah, I love the idea of you telling stories about other people. It kind of reminds me of, I once went to a training for a story for Politico. It was a training for women who were interested in running for office. And historically, on average, not always, uh, women are not as strong at asking for money for themselves because it feels Mm -hmm. gross. And so the key takeaway was you're not asking for money for yourself. You're asking for Mm -hmm. money for your cause, like what it is you're trying to get done. Um, So if you can shift it to somebody else. um, Mm -hmm. But I wonder how you feel, Emily, about, I mean, do you, like me personally, I don't ever post about my kid. How do you feel about posting about your family? I, I really struggle with that. And that's, you know, we're getting into kind of the personal, I, mm, I really yeah. feel like I have trouble crossing that, that line. Even it, it's even a pickle for me, you know, like, yeah. like I'm such an open book. I will tell you anything about my life and my kids, right. but when it comes to like the consuming public that I, I can't yeah. easily define, I think that's where I really have trouble sharing, but what you're saying about making it authentic to me, mm-hmm. um, this is very helpful because I, what I'm hearing you say 
is that I can kind of create my own rules. Totally. Coming up, we'll help Emily write her own rules. And we'll hear a great tip from our favorite coach here at How To, Ted Lasso. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. Hey, how-to listeners, we need your help with something. We're working on a new episode about ChatGPT and all the new AI technology that's been all over the news. You know, the technology that's going to destroy us or save us or some combination of both. And we have a lot of questions and we think that maybe you do too. So reach out and tell us, what do you want to know about ChatGPT that we could help you figure out? What fears do you have? What hopes do you have? Are you interested in how to harness its powers for good? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. Do it right now, because I know a question just came into your head. Don't wait. Howto at slate.com, 646-495-4001. We're back with our listener, Emily, and our expert, Susie Wagner, who has a simple idea for how Emily can dip her toe into the shallow end of the social media pool. I would love for you to just consider for three months, try and do either once a week or every other week, Mondays with Emily, where you say, I had the privilege of coaching this 51-year-old guy who recently got laid off and he was really struggling with what to do Mm. next. And we had an amazing talk and he's on a plan. Maybe it's Wednesdays with Emily at noon and you put up like a paragraph or, and then maybe one day you feel like playing around with your phone and you want to just record a little chat or you write a longer form blog or you just Mm. put up a link with a couple, you know, sound bites. Mm. But this idea of identifying a story, like a a person, Mm. um, sat down with a mom of three looking to go back in the workforce, really struggling with her identity. That speaks to so many 
women. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. then suddenly people say, oh my gosh, Emily is doing work with women who's looking to get mm-hmm. back in the workforce. That gets talked about at book club. That gets talked about, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, at the exercise class. And then you start to drum up new clients. I, my, my wheels are turning. This is, this is so helpful, Susie. And I mean, I think this is kind of the key for me because no two clients of mine are ever the same, but by taking the focus off of mm-hmm. me and sharing stories about other people, I think a lot of people would benefit from that, from hearing those stories. And it would make mm-hmm. it a heck of a lot easier for me not to focus on the me part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can hear it in your voice. Like you're passionate yeah. about your clients and you see them as each one being unique, which is awesome and why yes. you're good at your job. Susie's given you really good homework mm-hmm. to sort of mm-hmm. try that out, get in a routine on it, which seems really important. Um and I, I sort of begs the question, like, Susie, do you ever tell clients not to do social at all? Like, just forget about I, it? I think I just did. <laughs> People listen so that's to your okay. like, she's terrible at her job. Yeah, I mean, look, at it, it, most companies, like bigger companies, they have like teams of people working in communications. And and there's dedicated social media content producers. There's dedicated people that plan social media campaigns. Um but I I find I'm inspired most by people who've used social to change their life. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lady named Barb on Instagram that I am borderline yes, obsessed with. I and she's her. like, do you know Barb? Of course. Oh my God. She's like 75 years old and her whole career, and Emily, I think you'd really like this. She went to her daughter's house, I think like in Connecticut when the baby was born to help. Mm-hmm. And she, Barb had all these great hacks about like, oh, you soak it this way, you clean it this way, this is a quick and easy dinner. And her daughter followed around the house recording it because, you know, tired mom, she didn't want to forget things. And pretty soon she's like, mom, this is like, you're dropping pearls. This is, this is wisdom. People don't have this knowledge. And so she started editing it into a series of videos. Hi, everybody, it's Babs, and here's the Babs way to hold a family meeting. We've been holding our household meetings for almost 53 years. Well, Mr. Babs and I have our family meeting on Sundays at 5 o'clock. Pick a day and time that works for you. Just make sure to stay consistent. And And she's like hundreds of thousands of followers. She produced a cookbook. Her daughter had her hold of uh, cards one day, and she's like, a year ago, my life was different. I didn't know this could happen. Today, I'm on the USA Today bestseller list, and she just started, like, crying. And it was such a genuine, like, cathartic, inspiring thing. And that social is better than anything, I think, um, you know, a well, not anything, but but yeah. but almost anything somebody else could do because it's true. Yeah, I do think one thing for Emily that I yeah. I'd really like her to do another homework assignment aside from your like Wednesdays with Emily. Mm-hmm. I would really like you to write a piece about imposter syndrome, and I'd like you to run it in a few months after you've been doing these posts with some regularity, mm-hmm. and I'd like you to write it now and then run it later, and okay. say how scared you were to do this. Okay. Because showing that kind of vulnerability and saying, I was I was scared Ooh, the first time I did a post. I don't good. I don't like social media. It makes me nervous. But to grow as a person, you have to push yourself outside your comfort zone because yeah. change is the only constant. And then that is something people can really identify with. And I think it will give them some level of um, not only inspiration, but give you even more credibility as a coach because mm-hmm. you do scary things. You're not just telling people to do things. You're doing them. Yeah. I like that. Well, and I kind of, I kind of love that because not only will that, I I think that'll help 
people. I mean, I, I talk to clients all the time about imposter syndrome and confidence. Um, but that will give me permission to, <laughs> I think, you know, not be perfect yes. and going forward, you know, like, Hey, don't expect perfection from me. And it'll just kind of give me the grace mm. and the personal permission that will help me grow. <laughs> yeah. Because, because based on what you said, Susie, the whole point, like just by definition, social media, if it's going to be authentic, it can't be perfect. Right. Totally. Part of the challenge with social media is that we're also used to this totally scrubbed, perfect projection of the ideal yeah. that we don't often enough see the honesty. And yeah. you don't need to wallow in depression and, and sadness because no one wants to see that, rule number yeah. one. But you want to be true and counsel yourself the way you would counsel one of your clients. Yep. So remember, Susie's number one rule is that people want to do business with people they like and people like positive. But that positivity needs to be real. If you don't want to expose a ton of your personal life, definitely don't do it. If you want to focus on other people's stories, that's great. Write your own rules. In the end, it's way more important to be true to you than to be prolific. Amanda, what do you do on social? Oh, shoot. I should have seen that you were going to turn this around. (laughs) (laughs) I have an uncomfortable relationship with it to this day. I mean, I think when I have a new book coming out, I feel like I have to promote. Um, it's funny because when I've written three books, when the first book came out, the publicists were like, just blog, blog all the time, only blog. <laughs> and then <laughs> when the second book, that was a while ago, as you, I'm dating myself. And then when the second book came out, they were like, just tweet, tweet all the time. <laughs> and then when this book came, most recent book came out, it was like, do newsletters all oh, the really? time, you know? And huh. so there's these, yeah, because it changes like who who buys books, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not a lot of people. And uh, so you have to be strategic about like who can you reach, who's most interested in this and not do all the things all the time. But I'm I'm always, you know, I'm always trying to figure it out. My biggest audience is on Twitter, but I've kind of lost my taste for Twitter because it's such a dumpster fire. <laughs> and I don't I don't know, you know, who exactly I'm I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. The algorithms are tricky because they always are changing. So the way people connect or the way the communications professionals think people connect is always changing. And that's why my advice to people has always been do what feels right to you that you will do consistently and do well. But let go of that perfectionist thing. Mm-hmm. You know, give yourself the advice yeah. that you would give your clients because as an executive coach, that's you have a very different kind of business. And so you're people to people, um, but you have to do it in a way that that makes you feel really comfortable. Otherwise, you're not going to sustain it. And bad social yeah. is worse than no social. That's where I am right now is no social. So I, I have to... Um... So you're doing great. <laughs> 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 no, but it's so refreshing to hear that even the two of you struggle, you know, with 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 it. Or maybe I'm, I'm miss... Um, no, no, you heard it. You're right. That, but... <laughs> no, you're right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that, that just kind of gives me a like a breath of fresh air around this whole thing. <laughs> it it yeah. might take me some time to test some strategies and, and figure out what's the most practical, but, but it's also okay to, to not be, you know, to screw up. Yeah, totally. And don't, don't get too 
don't get too twisted up about how many people look at it, how mm-hmm. many people liked it, how many people shared it in the beginning, because it does take time to build yeah. that kind of cadence. Yeah. And since you're not cross-pollinating through other channels, meaning you're not posting across a lot of different networks, you're really just focusing on one right now, mm-hmm. then you might need to supplement it with some email blasts or conversations or events that you're doing and just continue mm-hmm. to elevate awareness that mm-hmm. this thing is even out there. The competition is real. I mean, every yeah. day when we get out of bed and put our feet on the floor until we climb back and pull our feet up again, we're bombarded with millions of messages. And yeah. your brain can only filter through so many and, and things don't always stick or people are busy. So give it time and have yeah. faith and you're going to do great. Since you don't want to obsess over how many likes and retweets and follows and all of that, and that was one of your fears, right, Emily, is you don't want to become... You don't want this to make you crazy. Yeah. Um, maybe one way to measure the return on investment is do you, how do you you know how do you feel about it? Do you feel like okay, mm-hmm. I did some good today. I put something good into the world. And yeah, if you get clients from it and you track how they heard of you, then that would be an obvious yeah. win, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe it's more like does this actually hit those values that you mentioned earlier? Yeah, I think that's probably the key for me. I always think about like how I got over the fear of public speaking when I first started doing it, I mean, I was terrified of it, but I, I just kind of adopted this mindset. If I can have an impact for one person, that's worth it. And I think that's how I need to approach this animal of social yeah. media is if, if one person resonates with what I say, then it's worth it. So you took it out of can I get and, you know, can I perform and be perfect for a thousand people and moved it to can I serve one person? Yep. That feels relevant. Yeah. I feel like I learned a lot from Ted Lasso that I didn't even know I already knew. <laughs> Isn't that the most amazing show? So good. It makes me so happy. Do you do you see Ted Lasso as a coach model for you? Oh, it's a good question. In a way, I kind of do. I mean, I just think that his positivity and his yeah. vulnerability and mm-hmm. the honesty, he's just this authentic, insightful leader. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you see the first episode of the new season? I did. Okay. So it seems like a great analogy for social media is when he's in that press conference, right? And and his boss is basically telling him to fight back, like stand up for yourself. And Mm -hmm. he is basically just going to be himself. Do you have any response to the comments made earlier today by your former assistant coach, Nathan Shelley? He's trying to defend himself against Nate. Yeah. He instead just is like, uh, yes, I do. Well, yeah, I guess I'm surprised that he didn't go with this insult. And then he just starts insulting himself, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he just is it's making so fun. And the whole, all the reporters are laughing. Well, I'm so dumb that the first time I heard y'all talking about Yorkshire pudding, I thought it was a fancy word y'all had for dog poop. And I think as the audience, you're kind of like, ah, you're kind of afraid for Ted in that moment. Uh, but then he comes through the other side. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) I mean, he came and got us, didn't he? No doubt about that. (laughs) Hey, but that's Nate the Great for you, you know? He's the same way on the pitch. You know, he'll find the tiniest little weakness in a team and just want to attack that. I mean, uh, he's a junkyard dog, man. And smart. They're real lucky to have him over there at West Ham. I wish him the best of luck. 
One of the things that show does really well, since we're talking about it, is social media. The way they present social media and show how quickly trends happen. And remember Keely Jones in the first season is coaching Ted on, oh, no, it's really good. Don't don't look up Wanka. You know, that's okay, (laughs) Ted. And, you know, um, Nate's character was corrupted by his need for public validation. (gasps) You're so right. And that's, you know, that turned into the dark side, not only the fact that he didn't feel loved or valued at home, but it was also right. this this need to be bigger than he was. And yeah, um, right. and then Ted has won social by, again, being authentic and genuine and himself. And I, it's, it's such a great lesson mm-hmm. of the pitfalls of social. And that's why, again, I want you to get out there. I want you to start sharing your wisdom. You've got such yeah. great insights and information to share, and you can benefit a much wider audience that's on true. social than you can in one-on-one counseling sessions. And so that's yeah. kind of the the shift I think you need to make in your brain yeah. is this mm-hmm. idea that like I can reach 500 people and give them a, something that will make their day better, make their life better, make their career yeah. more impactful mm-hmm. and satisfying. And this is a tool I'm going to use to amplify my voice. Well, and I love the accountability I mean, as you know, an important part of coaching is accountability. And this gives me this home, this set of homework that you've given me, Susie. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm going to, I'm going to do it because I, I'm committing to you that I will. All right. Well, I'm going to follow up with you to make sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute treat. I've really enjoyed talking with both of you. I loved being here. Thank you for asking me. And Emily, I'm so excited to see what you do with this and how you're going to help so many people in your area. I certainly hope so. Thanks to Emily for coming to us with this question. And for Susie Wagner, for all of her energy and wisdom and sunshine, her company is called Brand and Buzz, and she is the best DC tour guide if you're lucky enough to get an invite. What about the rest of you? Do you have a problem that needs solving? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail, 646-495-4001. We might have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, give us a rating and a review and tell a friend so we can help more people. Howto's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson and Kevin Bendis produced this episode. Merritt Jacob is our senior technical director Charles Duhigg created the show, and Carvel Wallace is my co-host. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening.